It's Divas That Care Radio. Stories, strategies, and ideas to inspire positive change. Welcome to Divas That Care, a network of women committed to making our world a better place for everyone. This is a global movement for women, by women, engaged in a collaborative effort to create a better world for future generations. To find out more about the movement, visit divasthatcare.com after the show. Right now, though, stay tuned for another jolt of inspiration. Hello to all. Welcome to Divas That Care Network. I am Joyce Benning, and I will be your host for this invigorating, robust lifestyle show. I want to thank each one of our listeners for being on today. I'm very grateful for each one of you. And I am just overly excited today to have with me our monthly returning diva, Kate Nelligan. And she is going to share her knowledge with us today on how we can consciously support others who have lost their beloved animals. Oh my, this is a topic we all need to to deal with. So Kate, could you please come on and introduce yourself today to our listeners? Yeah, thanks so much for having me, Joyce. I'm happy to be here. You're so welcome, Kate. <laughs> yeah, so... I uh, am an equine partnered life and career coach, healer, speaker, author, and I uh, have worked actually in veterinary medicine for a couple of years doing marketing. And so I was also really exposed to the uh, death and dying process and specialty and emergency medicine there as well in general practice. Um, and then having lost horses and now just going through the loss of a cat, I'm excited and mm-hmm. and passionate and also very humbled to be speaking about the topic today. Oh, that is really something. And and I, sh- I share my sympathy to you for losing your cat. That, that's a tough one too, but you have just experienced it. And what better time to help share with our listeners how to deal with it. So, With that being said, how can we better support each other when we grieve our beloved animal friends? Yeah, this is such an important topic. And, you know, what I first find is that a lot of people um, are in what I would call speciesism, which is essentially that we value humans more than animals. And so we will often stop our lives more if we lose a human. But for many, their animals are their children, their best friends, their soulmates, uh, their working partners as they are with me as I coach with horses. And we have to really start to think about them with the same respect, right? So if we would take time to grieve a human loss, we need to take time to grieve an animal loss. Uh, if if we would, you know, if our best friend would send flowers if we lost a human, uh, there's really an opportunity to consider doing that for your friend's animal. And, you know, there's there's different levels, I think, that we all have around our animals. And and some people really do think of them as other beings living in the house, right? And then mm-hmm. people like me who, you know, I have two cats living with me and that's it, that they're my children, right? And day in and day out, all day long working from home, you know, that is my connection and, uh, and best friend and, and roommate and really child. And that's why there's this been this huge movement of like the fur babies over the last you know, several years where in the human animal bond, people uh, were realizing just how important these animals are. So the first piece is really to just start to think about 
respect and equalizing the playing field, right? So um, for me, I would def- I've definitely been more upset losing an animal than I probably would even losing a family member, you know, in my immediate family. And that's maybe unique to me, maybe not. I think there's a lot of people that might feel that way. But it's important for people to know that, to know that they're that important to some people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, yes. I can, I can so relate to what you're saying because I call them my family. They are my family, my dogs. I have two dogs that are always in the house with me. They go everywhere I go that they can possibly go with me. And they are my they are my two little kids, and they are just part of me. And, yes, it is, it is good to hear you say that, that we grieve them as much as we do and sometimes more than family members because there's been times I've felt guilty by doing that and they they are just so much a part of me so that is I think a very important piece to give out to people to know that it is okay that you grieve them because they are a total part of you that was that was really good and I've received many times cards when I've lost a loved animal so yes it's nice to reach out and think to think of others like that oh what great points that brought about yeah, I think the respect piece. Yeah, go ahead. No, I was I was just going to say too the respect that we need to show to others, and that's just what you were coming in with. I love that. So go ahead and finish about the respect. Yeah, I think there's also a way that we can do respect with our languaging and how we talk to others when they're grieving, and there's really a huge opportunity to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, right? And start to think, even if we don't have animals, what would that person want to hear, right? Or or what would I say to that person if they were if they lost a family member, a human family member, or a human child, right? That's such a huge, significant thing in, in our culture. And it very much is the same for those of us that don't have children. Our animals are our children. We would treat them the same. And, uh, and some of us are talking to our animals, right, as well, even though we may not look the same way we would talk to a human. So I think the languaging on how we support people is important. So I've been really surprised in my grieving process that uh, the majority of texts are, you know, make sure you take care of yourself or, or be gentle with yourself. or And they're very, like, directive, like people telling me what to do. And I've been sort of surprised by that because it, it sort of takes – the respect piece out. It, it's someone else's idea of what I should be doing. Um, and there's kindness, obviously, an intention behind it. It's it's not, you know, someone trying to be bossy, but it doesn't come across in a way that is as supportive as it could be, right? So take good care of yourself. You know, mm-hmm. I, my response mm-hmm. is like, okay, would you like to buy me a massage appointment? <laughs> like, it's like, why why are we telling people what to do in the grieving process and mm-hmm. and really it's like i've had very few people say like what can i do for you i'm you know i'm willing to be here for whatever you might need right like and um i wish i could make this this easier for you because um you know i care about you like it's like getting really into deeper truths 
rather than like, take good care. It feels very flippant and it feels directive as though I don't know how to do that, which is interesting because I'm a healer and a coach. So I know very deeply how to hold space for myself and others. So I don't necessarily need to be reminded of that, but I do need to be showered with love right right now. And I do need to be showered with acceptance and support and uh, and not be told what to do. So it's been very interesting, and I feel like I started to get really passionate about how we can start to create language that is more respectful to people who are grieving, and especially those who are grieving animals, because it seems like there's almost like a different protocol that we go into when someone's grieving a human. And um, it doesn't need to be that way, right? We really can apply that same love and respect regardless of whether it's a human or an animal. Yes, I agree 100% because us that, like you said, talk to our animals. I talk to my dogs and my horses just like they're a human being that's answering me. And to me, they do answer me. They do give me their their eyes, I can look into their eyes and see their answers and the way they respond to me. And when I'm outside with them, I'm always telling them what I'm doing and where we're going next. And they, they, just, they just understand. So, yes, we talk to them, us that talk to them, talk to them just like we do humans. So I agree 100%. It's, it should be treated in the exact same way because they are our family completely, definitely. <laughs> They are. And we also sometimes do have even deeper bonds with our animals because they are often seeing us or treating us with a lot of unconditional acceptance and love. And we don't always get that from other humans. We have human filters and egos of people that might need us to be a certain way or want us to do, you know, that there's like self-serving energy in all humans. And so, it's very different with the animals, right? And so sometimes that unconditional love piece disappears when the animal leaves, passes. And so can really rock the boat for a lot of people because that in many ways felt like their source of love. A lot of what I've had to do over the last week or so is really remember that my cat was not my source of love, that my source of love mm-hmm. is inside of myself. And I and yet that's that's hard to remember sometimes when it was this big battery in the house and I didn't realize how much energy there was that that cat was actually holding for myself, for his brother, and the space to really fill it with a lot of unconditional love and joy and pleasure and, and appreciation and happiness. So I've been like seeing all of that now since the animals passed. And so I think it can even be harder for some people because they were treated so differently by animals and love so much that it's almost like an even bigger shake up. And there's also the physical piece. So with a lot of humans, like I, you know, because of quarantine, I was telling my mom, you know, my relationship with her has only been auditory for the last year besides maybe a couple FaceTimes. And so, you know, we can have very mental auditory relationships with a lot of humans, right, and and not necessarily even touch them for a while. But with our animals, we're touching them daily. Sometimes, you know, for me, it felt like hundreds of times a day. And mm-hmm. it's like that's a physical piece that is not there anymore. And we also have to address that because that that can't be replaced. We can still talk to our animals once they cross to the other side, but we can't touch them. And so it's a, it's a deep physical, physical, visceral, kinesthetic loss, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yes, that is beautifully put because it's, 
it doesn't only come in on the emotional side for us. It's the physical side because I'm the same way. I'm hugging on my dogs and loving on them and petting them and just always, constantly. And they give back that unconditional love, like you said, that we don't always find when we have that human bond in that unconditional love we get from our animals, animal family. Yeah, it's an incredible bond. There's no doubt. (laughs) And you were saying you have another cat. That kind of brings in another question. How is that cat dealing with the loss of his companion that he had with him all the time? How do animals grieve when they lose one of their own like that? Yeah, it's been really interesting to watch. And I, you know, my my first thought or before even this happened was like, oh, gosh, how am I going to handle this? And then, of course, as soon as it happens, my first thought was actually about his brother. How's he going to handle this? And he's, mm-hmm. you know, they're almost 10 and they've spent every single night together since they were kittens. They're litter mates and never spent a night apart. Never really been, you know, uh, outside of the same room from each other for very long. And so that's a major shift. And we have to understand it's not just an emotional shift for an animal. It's often a very safety-based shift as well because they're used to, especially with horses, they're used to living in a herd and they feel safety in numbers. And there's definitely a deep bond with uh, especially you know, these two cats were brothers. They weren't necessarily best friends, um, but they definitely had their daily interaction and their routine and everything's changed. So he's, you know, my guy who's still here, he's vocalizing a lot more. He's sleeping more. He's sleeping in different places. He's not, he's pickier about his food. He needs me a lot more. Um, And, you know, he's looking for him. Like, and so I've noticed this with horses too. Like when you take a horse away, uh, we'd have this at the ranch and just watching this horse stand in the same position all day long, looking at where the trailer was, wondering when his friend's coming back. And it's hard Mm -hmm. to watch this. And so we have to, I think we have to rise above pity because that, and worry because that doesn't help our animal friends, but to stay in a place where we just know that they're grieving too, that they have their own way of dealing with it. They're not going to sob cry the way we do and to, and they're also not going to talk it out the way we do. And mm-hmm. so there's an honoring and an allowing, like I don't love how much he's vocalizing. It feels like a lot of crying and it's, it, it can get on my nerves, but it's allowing it fully being with it accepting it knowing it's a phase knowing it could take a couple days to a a few weeks and just Mm -hmm. allowing it to be what it is and accepting him and just trying to amplify like the support you know what what might you need in this moment knowing the moment changes it's the same for us right and so we do have to realize that animals grieve they grieve in their own way and they're when the routines change and these bonds change, um, things do happen. And honestly, they do form new thoughts about things. For instance, this horse at the ranch, he has a new thought, which is I don't know how much I fully trust that, you know, humans aren't going to take away people or take away my friends. Like he has a little bit more protective energy. I can see it around him and in him and how he works with, with people now. He was way more laid back and easygoing before, and he's more guarded. And, you know, with my cat, it's like he's he's definitely 
processing and I just have to be there for him in full acceptance mm-hmm. and full allowance and not try to change it and also look for ways that I can support him physically. So like he's on rescue remedy, you know, I'm trying whatever foods make him feel good that he'll eat and um, just trying to create as much kind of safe space for him as possible to have his process. And um, yeah, it's, it's a lot, but I think if we become aware of this, we can support our animals better. And that's one of my missions today. So thank you. Thank you for letting me talk about it. Cause I want people to consider their animals more as they go through the grieving process. Yes. Oh yes, definitely. Well, that is, that is such a great way to put it because your cat, is vocalizing a little more, like you said. That's that's how how he is grieving the loss of his brother, and like you said with the horse, it doesn't quite have the trust in humans because he's not real sure if it was the humans that took it away. So yeah, that's that's very interesting to hear that on how they are they grieve in different ways, and I think it's just like humans. We all grieve in a different way, and we need to respect that in the animals also. It's we do. Kind of, yes, definitely. It brings up another thought I have, and that is a lot of times I will see different posts where they're looking for a new home for a dog or a cat or even a horse that their owner has passed. How can we best help a animal like that deal in a new environment, new people, new everything when they have lost the one that they trusted and loved? Yeah, and I think sometimes that's the best thing that could happen for that animal because they're starting a new chapter and they have a lot of support and love and care. But it, it's like we have to... I personally, as as you also do, explain things out loud, right? Like, this mm-hmm. is your new home. We love you here. We know you must miss your old human. And um, I'm going to be the best that I can for you. And to, to explain stuff out loud and also to take our agenda and timeline off things, right? Like, this animal is now my best friend or has to be my best friend because it's my animal now. And, and it's like there's still definitely – Animals are living in the present, but they are definitely still releasing, you know, whatever it might be. And it is trauma for them to lose someone, especially an animal that may have seen their human past. There's trauma there Mm -hmm. in that animal Mm -hmm. the way there would be with us because they are emotional beings. And so we have to honor their timeline in many ways. And I went through this with my horse. Like she was bonded to the teenager that had her in Los Angeles. And when she came out, you know, she was not immediately my best friend or trusting. I knew it was going to take time. I wanted it to happen faster. And I just kept saying it will happen when it happens. And I told myself it could take six months. It could take a year because I tried to let, you know, that wanting that immediate fast bond to just happen. I had to let go of my attachment to that. And I would say to her, I'm sure you missed you know, this woman, and I would say it out loud, and I'd say, she'll visit you at some point, and I'm going to, I'm not a teenager, but I'm going to do the best (laughs) I can to have fun, and to take care of you, and to give you what you need, and I would explain that Mm -hmm. to her, and and over time, through consistency, she's like, yeah, you know, we have our bonds now, and it's not, I'm definitely not the same human, Um, and it's to just know, just know that the animal is going through that, and if they're not bonding with you right away, it's okay, it doesn't mean they won't, it just means that they may need some time and um 
yeah, it's 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 all okay, and and I do think that um, you know when a when a relationship is complete, you know the animal doesn't always get a choice in it, right? But it it mm-hmm. is um, something that I think they've many animals have learned to adjust and be flexible because uh, humans make so many choices for them, right? So right, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so many choices without really asking them if this is the place they'd like to be or if they're happy. I know I have a really good friend that rehomed a horse from a young girl and, well, just two or three months after she'd had it, she uh, had an animal communicator communicate with it and say, are you happy here? And the horse said, yes, I'm happy, but I miss the little girl that had me. And so that just brought up so much to me when you said that about the teenage girl that these horses and animals they have a bond too with their owners when they're treated and have a relationship with them so we have to honor that and respect that in them so it was it was really interesting and now you just said the same thing but it just reminded me so much of that but he was a happy horse but he did miss his little girl that had had him so Oh yeah, they will. They will miss. I mean, mine of my mares was like she still missed this little girl she had when she was young for many, many, many years. And they do. <laughs> I think you know they they definitely um, the way we would, right? It's just like right. so. We just have to to realize that a they do grieve. B that we need to be on um, in full acceptance of the, their timeline and not necessarily be on our timeline with it and, you know, do mm-hmm. what we can to support them in the, in the process and um, yeah. And see what they need, check in with them, see what they need. I love, you know, animal communication for that too, because then they can, they have a voice. And I, I was really clear. I needed to ask if Phoenix wanted to be with me before I brought her out from LA <laughs> because and she was like, yeah, actually, she she wanted to do different type of work. So it, it worked out, but, you know, they definitely have to adjust. And they're very routine creatures, right, even more so than we are as humans. So Yes, 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 that they are. Oh, that is, that is so neat. I love how you asked her if she wanted to come with you because that is, that is incredible. And I've had a – I know I have a really good horse friend, and she said, I always look at the horse – to place it with the person, not the person said, I look first to see if the horse is going to be a match to that person and then vice versa. She said it has to go both ways. It can't just be one way. So, oh, that's yeah. that's beautiful. I love that. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Well, um, like if someone loses an animal and in through your practice and they're in, oh, they're thousands of miles away, how do you feel you can best reach out to them if they reach out to you and say, I am really grieving this animal? How do I handle this? What are some of the ways that we can help in a remote way if we're not right there with to be with the person or the animal? Yeah, that's a great question. It's a it's a great question and I think this has happened quite a bit because being an animal communicator, my clients have lost horses and they've lost horses Mm -hmm. I've talked to and I've talked to some of their horses right before they've passed and sometimes after and it is it's a lot and the biggest thing that I see in common with a lot of these 
um, losses with animals. And I've also had people come to work with me with the horses in person in equine coaching, processing the loss of their dog or um, their cat. I've, I've had a lot of this over the years. And ultimately, a lot of people feel guilt because they feel like they either put the animal down too soon or too late, or they did and they made a wrong choice or they weren't there right when the animal passed, or um, they could have done something differently, you know, called the vet earlier, whatever it might be. I feel that almost everyone has guilt. I just did going through what I went through. And because I chose um, a natural death, which is not something I've ever done before. And with it came pieces that were hard to deal with. And so, you know, and I shouldn't say I chose that. I actually did not want to choose natural death. That is what my cat wanted. And I was checking mm-hmm. it with him constantly to make sure he still wanted that. So, mm-hmm. it, you know, I think it's hard no matter what. And when we have the ability to euthanize, we feel like we're playing God or we feel like we have all this responsibility either way, right? Must end this animal's mm-hmm. misery right away or I can't do it. How am I going to do it? Right. And, and did I do it too soon? And so much. So I think the biggest thing is to help people realize like it's okay, whatever you picked, right. The animal Mm -hmm. from my experience is in full forgiveness. Once they are on the other side, they're not upset about anything. They really just want the imprint of their love to continue. They want their human to know they're loved. They want their human to act in love. They want their human to, to feel what their animal gave them. Right. For me, Mm -hmm. I just realized how happy my cat was and he really wants me to feel happiness. I don't right now. And I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because I honor, grieving um and the grief process is long right there's many layers to it and um and there's you know like anger can come up out of nowhere and then we can go back into shock and disbelief and then we can go into bargaining and then we can go into depression and so there's lots of layers and it takes as long as it takes and you know my last horse took me four years and the only reason i I, it was able to really complete was because i got a new horse and stuff really shifted with that So ultimately, when we're remote, the best thing is to continually check in with someone. Checking in once, just being like, how you're doing, as a check mark on your to-do list, as a friend, Mm -hmm. doesn't work. Mm -hmm. You know, a daily check-in or at least every other day. And not just a text, but a call. Like, uh, that's what I do. I, like, I'll wait a couple days. I'll text and then I'll wait a couple days and I'll ask, how are you doing? Do you need anything? I just want to make sure I checked in with you and I'll call. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they may or may not want to talk, but at least my voice is, is there being heard and I'm taking time. And I do think, you know, for certain people that love gifts and receiving that, that is a great way to send a card or flowers or um, like something that reminds you of them. And, um, you know, or to even say, can we jump on Zoom or FaceTime? I just want to, you know, create space for you, whatever it might be. It's just a lot of people are uncomfortable with others' grief, so they avoid it. Yeah. But honestly, I, that can negatively affect a friendship, you know. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm, we have to be so we have to be mindful that sometimes what we want to give is is uncomfortable for us, but it's what the other person needs. And I had the best lesson mm-hmm. ever when I was 18, and my best friend's mom passed of cancer, and I was so scared I didn't want to call her. And my mom literally sat there and was like, "I'm sitting here until you call her," <laughs> and no. I had to do it. But it made our friendship so deep and so powerful because I was able to get over my own fear and support Mm -hmm. her so 
hence having served many people who are grieving and going through grief and loss in all forms. I have a lot of divorced women and my practice and coaching. And so it's like knowing that we just, you know, grief is part of life the way joy is. We don't have to apologize for crying ever. We don't have to apologize for taking time off for grief. We just need, we just need to support ourselves. And so, yeah, I think it's like knowing that person and what might be meaningful to them and being available to talk to them on the on the phone and not just text. It's it's huge, especially these days when we do everything via email and text, right? Yes. Yes. Oh, yes. That was just beautiful. Yes, just just being there for them and reaching out to them, letting them know that you are there for them and uh you you are thinking about them and feeling their pain. Oh. Uh, that was that was a great way to put it, Kate. And Kate, I cannot believe this has gone so quickly. You have brought so much wisdom and knowledge to help our listeners deal through the loss of their beloved animals. And do you have some final tips you would like to leave with our listeners for today? One of my big ones is that grief in the beginning is often when people get the most support or text and people are like, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. And there's a lot there. Three weeks later is really when a lot of this mm-hmm. stuff hits. And that's mm-hmm. been my experience both myself and as a client. So you may want to mark your calendar and, so, you know, for your friend or your loved one, your family member that's going through the loss and check in uh, after three weeks and, and really make sure that you, you know, give a call and how are you doing? I just want to make sure you and then mark it for another three weeks after that because, this is not something that we just bury and move on. This is like, you know, this is a deep process. And if, if the human lost a human child, you better believe the whole, you know, community would come out. Well, right. let's consider that, you know, um, someone losing their animal is very, very similar. And we need to mm-hmm. treat it a little bit more seriously and with more intention and, and more grace. So, oh, yes. Oh, that was that was beautiful tips. Uh, that was great because how true that is. We forget about them after a week's time or a few days because, oh, it's done with now. But, no, it's not done for us that love that animal and they were part of our family. So it, it goes a lot deeper than that. So that was a beautiful tip, Kate. Kate, I want to thank you so much for being my guest again. And it was just this was incredible information that you shared to our listeners. Thank you so much, Joyce. I'm really grateful. Oh, you are so welcome. And I do want to remind all of our listeners that Kate is one of my monthly returning guests on the third Thursday of each month at 11 a.m. Mountain Time when she shares her wisdom and knowledge with us on animals and humans. So just be sure to tune in again and listen. And be sure to check out all the hosts and their shows on DivasThatCare.com and share this one with all of your family and friends. Have a fantastic day. Be kind to all. Give your animals that great big extra hug and share your love with them. Until we connect again on Robust Lifestyles, stay strong and healthy. Thanks for listening. This show was brought to you by Divas That Care. Connect with us on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course on divasthatcare.com where you can subscribe to our newsletter so you don't miss a thing.